What's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. I'm Josh. And we are here. And Happy New Year's, everybody. But not only Happy New Year's, uh, this is season two. Um, it's kind of cool because I know we didn't start at the beginning of last year, um, but we got, I think it was like 26 episodes, yeah. 27 episodes. Um, but also this week, we have a guest. <laughs> well, Pastor Jason. Good evening. <laughs> He's coming back. He's joining us again. Um, he had some things to do today here in the evening um, at the chapel and a uh, funeral as well. And so um, he was over here, and so we just asked him if he'd want to join us again. And so we were, he was like, yeah. So I, I'm always glad when we can have another mind in here, um, Absolutely. especially our pastor. Um, yeah. So, But we are starting a new segment. Alan, you want to? introduce our new segment so we've uh, we've kind of jumped around and done topics and we've done suggestions and we've done questions uh we just thought it would be a good idea since uh we uh really were encouraged i don't know hopefully there you as our listeners were encouraged also uh during the time that we spent talking about our high priest and, and the fact that uh, christ has just made all of the uh, benefits of heaven accessible to us and uh, man alive it's it just really uh, there's a whole lot there so uh, the book of hebrews is just a uh, an awesome book we're actually studying the book of hebrews in sunday school in the adult class and uh, we thought you know what be a good idea just to take some time and and, uh, and look at the book of hebrews yeah so josh now that we're starting the book of hebrews which once we did our high priest study um Josh was all over the book of Hebrews. I mean, we would talk all the time. Josh, how how beneficial do you think it is to a believer, a studier of God's Word, to go through the book of Hebrews and learn from it? How beneficial do you think it is to the believer? I think it's uh, I think it's critical too. I think that it it, um, it shows you the true deity of Christ and who He is and the power that He has. The and how also that it wasn't by accident or chance. I mean, it was from the very beginning. Um, Christ was the one that was going to come. He was the ultimate authority over everybody in the Old Testament. And he, he was that new covenant, that new law that was coming was through Jesus Christ. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a very powerful book. And I mean, um, it reveals a lot about who Christ is. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so one key thing that um, I'll ask Pastor Jason to kind of chime in on is when you look at the book of Hebrews, it's actually, we don't know who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people will, you know, assume things and try to pick who they think wrote it. Um, but Pastor Jason, when we look at this book that obviously, you know, God's inspired, he wanted it to be a part of the 66 books, um, you know, his power controlled that it would be allowed in there. What do you think there's significance or there's not significance that we don't know who the writer of it is? So in the beginning there, well, I, for example, where it says to the Hebrews, um, back in the original manuscripts to the Hebrews wasn't in there. But that if you look towards chapter 13 and get near the end, I'm going to read this text to you. It says, uh, And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter to you in a few words. This next one. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he comes shortly, I'll see you. So we know that Timothy was involved in Paul's ministry. So whether it was Paul or not, that inner circle of people ministering during this time, you know, all scriptures given by the inspiration of God. So, so it's very inclusive and needful. And uh, and again, because it has uh, uh, everything pretty much concerning Christ. I mean, that's what Romans was pretty much like. So. Uh, you know, whether Paul wrote or not, I don't think that's the big issue. It don't affect doctrine, our belief, faith, or practice. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I'm looking forward to this as well. I know today I was reading chapter 1, and actually in the theology class we have, uh, we talked about Hebrews 1 this last this last Sunday because we had to talk about the Trinity. And so to be able to learn about Christ's role um, as man and God, Hebrews 1 is a great chapter, the first few verses to teach us that. Um, but how we're going to do this is we're going to go in, in a way verse by verse. But one thing that I, I love about book studies is when you do a book study, you're going to cover a lot of different topics. And Alan talked about that basically since we started the podcast, we pray someone comes, you know, with a specific topic. We pray we all come to the agreement. 
or all three of us have come together with the same idea. It's been kind of crazy. Um, and so we've kind of been able to bounce around through doctrine, through uh, topics of the church. And so I'm kind of excited because we're going to have a structure of chapter one, chapter two, but within those chapters, um, I mean, we're going to be able to discuss all sorts of topics. I mean, even like today, I was reading, you know, this talks a lot about Christ, but towards the end, I mean, we're going to learn about angels and their role. So when we when we get into this, as you listen and as you, you know, enjoy the podcast, if you want to read ahead and maybe you have questions, please send those to us. Absolutely. We'll be we'll be preparing and, and we'll do our best to, to answer any questions you have about the book of Hebrews. But we want to encourage uh, everyone who's listening, whether you're a member of Watson's Chapel or you're just uh, 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 someone who's uh, stumbled across this podcast, uh, join us in this study. And if you want to read ahead and, and maybe write some questions down, send those to us. What do they send us, Josh? Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> MediaWatsonsChapel.net is how you can reach us. Um, if you have questions, if you have prayer requests, or if you just want to say, hey, I'm from Washington. You know, <laughs> we got a lot of downloads from there. I'm waiting to hear from our people in Washington. Um, this week I checked, too. We actually had some another global um, from another area of the world. Um, someone listened and downloaded. So we're just happy that this is going out. Like uh, I mean, our, our mindset from the beginning is we're just – three guys from a small town we don't claim to be anything fancy but it's just cool that you know there's other people out there that have a desire um to listen to god's word or they listen to this for other reasons Mm -hmm. i I don't know but it's effective and so um let's go ahead and start um we'll see how far we make it today um i'll read let's see how about i'll do verses one through four and then we can kind of just go through those. Is that cool with you guys? Okay. All right. So, um, actually, Josh, you read, because I think you three have the same version. So, you go ahead, Josh, and read, and I'll just follow. All right. Hebrews 1, 1. Uh, God, who in sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they absolutely absolutely um so i kind of want to start us off and we'll kind of bounce through this um there's just i mean there's a lot of meat in this you could hang out in verse one for two hours but i want to hang out there but not for two hours um when i was going through this i just when it says long ago which this is um the esv version at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets now, we've talked about prophecy in here probably every week. We at least mention it once. But I remember when Alan brought us um, the episode about Merry Christmas, and we talked about that that episode. And then when we talked about Jesus' birth the next week, we talked a lot about prophecy right there because we focused on Jesus' birth. But when you look at this, um, it says, you know, long ago at many times, right? And so I underlined that because that just stuck out to me because, you know, we can go through the Old Testament and read about the major prophets and the minor prophets. Uh, but not only that, you know, the kings, um, people of God, Israel, um, you know, Abraham. We can read about so many people um, that God used. And so when you look at it, it says at many times, um that's a hundred percent accurate uh, that it was that many times and in many ways um, he used many people but what I love is the many ways is each prophet had a different background they were during a different uh, different time I mean when you consider what we read in Jeremiah and then what we read in Ezekiel but then you go over to like Amos and things that are going on it's just different times and so when I look at that term of many ways, um, but but not only that, you know, Israel um, was usually in a place of unbelief or, you know, went around the, the building of a temple. 
There was a um, a lot of messages of encouragement. There are messages about let's do God's work. But what I love too is when you go through it, um, they all spoke timeless truths. Whether it was by uh, having a flint face, looking at Israel, saying, "Hey, you guys have wandered away from God," or if it was saying, "You know, God's for us. You know, let, let's go, let's do this." And so I, I really thought that was cool. Um, and, and I enjoyed reading that in that first verse. What do you guys think? So when we, we talk about prophecy, there's one element of prophecy that I think is relevant, not just to me, but to our generation that is present now, the, present, the, the past generations and the future generations, is the fact that when we, when we sit down and talk, we always have the universal common ground topic of God's word. And when we talk about God's word, one thing that our pastor covered this Sunday morning, and I may call on Jason to, to, to maybe recite a little bit of that from his memory, <laughs> but uh, that one common agreeable point yeah. is that there has to be an absolute mm-hmm. truth that yeah. we all can agree on. And I mean, my opinions vary, my mood varies, my... Uh, things that I believe can change, you know, our opinions change, but when it comes to God's word, it's absolutely credible. And when you look at the prophecy that's in God's word and the amount of prophecy that was fulfilled, adding evidence to the credibility of God's word, that should be something to a believer that cements and concretes their faith to the point that it's unshakable. And, uh, he he read an Jason read an article Sunday morning, uh, something to the along the lines of three hundred prophecies. That, yes, I was getting ready to say that. Yeah, yeah, that were fulfilled. They come true. That that were fulfilled about yeah. Christ, unrefutable. What, what kind of a you know? What I'm saying if you're a skeptic, I'm not. If you are, that's your that's your privilege. That's, you know, that's your, your your right to do that. How coincidental is that? I mean, how mind-boggling is it that prophets years before Jesus set foot on the earth physically as a man wrote almost to the letter how it would happen, the days that would you know, be accomplished, and all the things that would coincide with the birth of Christ and the life of Christ and the death of Christ that were all fulfilled. It's not coincidental. Yeah. It's, it's 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 divine uh, evidence for us as humans yeah. to to just uh, build our belief system upon. There's no other book like it. It's not there's no there's other not. book that has that long of a history. I mean, over fifteen hundred years worth and thirty or forty different uh, accounts of people involved um, in the scriptures. And then you look at all the archaeological facts, everything the evidences they found the dead sea scrolls the parchments the history the early forefathers um your early historians all those confirmed that the scriptures and there, there's no other gospel out there or there's no other uh, message and again that offers what the message of christ offers and, and i don't we, we talk a lot about sanctification and development and spiritual growth and use a lot of church lingo like that but to explain it, when I was young and I had my faith anchored in Christ, it was basically a, a, a revelation of the Holy Spirit that I was lost, and I didn't want to go to hell. As I develop and as I grow and as I get older and God starts revealing more to me, there's things in His Word that absolutely blow my mind. And there's things in His Word that uh, make me hungry to learn more. I'm excited about this uh uh, approach from God's word of looking at the historical fact of it. I mean, uh, absolutely, I believe God's word. And when I was young, uh, you know, I, I believed it because it was what my daddy believed, and, and you believe. I didn't need much more reason than that. You know what I'm saying? But as I get older, and and my curiosity gets, you know, to a little bit larger, and I start thinking about things, it's nice to know that Scripture is backed up by history, and there's facts, not just. Uh, uh, you know, in other literature, but in things like uh, archaeology and, and, and other things that are irrefutable. Well, the time periods match. Yeah. That's what another evidence, the time periods of things they're finding and 
um, the writings they find. I mean, it all. I mean, even go back in Egypt and look at all the things that are confirmed. Still finding. Yep. So uh, you, you won't find that in any other uh, faith, religion, and. Uh, so let me. I want to add on to what you guys are talking about, and it took me a second. Um, but you know, D.L. Moody, great man of God, great preacher. Um, and actually he has a book out called how to study the Bible and I found it was free. Um, and so I've been reading through it, but one of his chapters talked about that, how the word's true yesterday, today, and forevermore. And what I love is, you know, he, I mean, very vividly, very vividly, um, you know, like for example, in Jeremiah chapter 50 verses one through three, 13, 23, 24, it talks about, um, for a nation has come up against her out of the north. It will make her land an object of horror. There will be no inhabitant in it. Both man and beast have wandered off. They have gone away because of the indignation of the Lord. Everyone who pass and you go down further. Everyone who passes by Babylon will be horrified. Will hiss because of all of her wounds. And so he's quoting the scripture that's about Babylon. And what I love is when you go down. Um, he says this. He says a hundred years before Nebuchadnezzar ascended the throne. God's prophets foretold how Babylon would be destroyed and it came to pass. Scholars tell us that the city stood in the middle of a large and fruitful plain. It was enclosed by a wall 60 miles in circumference. Each side of the square had 20 gates of solid brass. At every corner was a strong tower 10 feet higher than the wall. The wall was 87 feet broad, 350 feet high. These figures give us an idea of the importance of Babylon, yet nothing but ruins now remains to tell its former grandeur. And so that's a prophecy that was fulfilled. And D.L. Moody's talking about how when he went there, he got to speak to the scholars. He got to see uh, the place where Babylon was. And now there's nothing to it. Now, another one that I thought was interesting is when you look at the prophecy, uh, let's see, it talks about, okay. Then, okay, Tyre, right? Place of Tyre in Ezekiel 26. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Tyre, and I will bring up many nations against you as the sea brings its waves. They will destroy the walls of Tyre, break down her towers, and I will scrape her debris from her, make her a bare rock. She will be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of a sea. I have spoken, declares the Lord God, and she will become a spool for the nations. And I was like, that's intense right there. What's cool, though, is he talks about this man, uh, Charles Coffin, right? So he was a correspondent for the Boston Journal during the Civil War. So he traveled around the world in 1868. So that was a long time ago. So after the war was over, one night he came to the side of the old tire and he said the sun was just going down. He got to his guide to pitch his tent right over the ruins where the rocks were scraped bare. So there's prophecy talking that it would be just a rock, scraped bare. Coffin took out his Bible and read where it says she will be a place for the spreading of nets. And I was like, interesting. I wonder where he's going. It says that Coffin said the fishermen were done fishing and just were just spreading their nets on the rock of Tyre. To dry. To yeah. dry their nets. Yep. And so, you know, some people might say that's a coincidence. But it said that at the end, Coffin remembered what the scripture said. And so, you know, you see Tyre, right, was a bare rock. It was scraped. But now when you look at it, it became a place where men would lay their nets out to dry. And so some people may say that's a small thing or some people might say that's a coincidence. But I look at it as that's prophecy fulfilled. And that's just Babylon and Tyre, Nineveh. I mean, Christ coming, there were so many prophecies that were filled, fulfilled. And so I think prophecy is just like a huge thing. And it's a huge witnessing tool. Let me give you an archaeological real quick. So, in 1920, they confirmed the presence of cities much like Ur, you are, described in Genesis 11, which some skeptics doubted had existed so early. Engravings discovered in an Egyptian tomb depicted the installation of history in a manner that exactly matches the biblical description of the ceremony involving Joseph in Genesis 41. Clay tablets dating to 2300 B.C. have been found in Syria strongly, supporting the Old Testament stories, vocabulary, and geography. Skeptics doubted the existence of Hittites from Genesis 15, 23, and 49 until a Hittite city complete with records was found in Turkey. There are dozens of other Old Testament facts supported by archaeological discovery. More importantly, no facts presented in the Old New Testaments have been shown false. This historically reliability is crucial to our trust in other statements made in Scripture. Listen to this. 
Even the miraculous occurrences of Genesis have evidential bases we can appeal to today. Ancient Babylonian records describe a confusion of language in accordance with the biblical account of the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. The same records describe a worldwide flood and present in literally hundreds of forms of cultures all over the world. The sites where Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19, once sat, have been found displaying evidence of fiery and violent destruction. Even the plagues of Egypt are resulting exodus and have archaeological support. Yep. <laughs> and, I mean, we just didn't, we didn't make that up. I mean, when it comes to, like, for example, like Lee Strobel. You can look this up yourself. Yeah, I mean, even think about Lee Strobel who wrote The Case for Christ. I mean, he was a reporter who's like, I'm going to disprove God. And he went through prophecy, archaeology, you know, findings. He went through uh, the human body, and at the end, he got saved. So, I mean, that's another record, another witness um, and it's even like, you know, the other night I was able to talk to a guy about Christ and uh, his view on religion is a lot of just a philosophy kind of view. But when we started talking about prophecy, you can't argue with that. No. Because when you see what one man said and then thousands or a hundred years later, or even here we are in 2020 and it's been fulfilled, we still see it. We still see it's going on. You can't argue with that. And, and please, I, I don't mean to, to downplay uh, the importance or the value of childlike faith, because, uh, like I said, when I was when I was young, I j- I just believed God it was kind of you know yeah. elementary in the way I'd done it. But during this, you know, the growth process, and as you get older, you know, life happens, and sometimes your faith wavers, and sometimes you struggle. And uh, you know, if you're listening to a Christian podcast, I'm sure we don't have to convince you that God's real and that the prophecy's true. But it's reassuring to me yeah. to know that God's word is completely true, and I can base my entire life, raise my family on it, and make decisions according to the guidelines that are found in it. Yeah. Another another thing about the gospel is we're not here to force this on anyone. Yeah. No, we're no. not here to become your enemy. We're not here to say, I mean, to accuse, to anything. All we're doing is presenting facts, presenting that. The evidence is of facts, yeah. and we believe in the message. I mean, when, you, when you're when you told about a, a Savior that was born of a virgin and he lives in heaven, and the common man, they're, they're not going to believe that. But if you trace all the followings of men from time and even other religions that are written by men to the point where they died and it stopped, someone else had to continue on. And this is a belief, and this is a... Uh, a spiritual, I guess, not system, but this is where that our faith is in not what we can add to it. It's in what he's already done for us. Yep. There's a big difference. Absolutely. And I mean, um, like even when you think about Mormonism, you know, Joseph Smith created the falling, you know, said God sent him a vision. But people will say, well, Mormonism, and I'm, but here's what I want to say is, if you look at Mormonism from when it first started till now, after Joseph Smith died, it's changed. It's not the original form of Mormonism. Actually, the elders of the Mormon church, they meet together once a year to try to decide whether things need to be edited or changed. Yeah, we, we've never done that here at the chapel. And actually, we can look through time and we can see that maybe men have made different versions of the Bible, but yet we still claim, as Pastor Jason said, to nothing new. We claim to something that's already been given. Um, and, I mean, obviously we don't agree with Mormonism here, but that's just an example to show you a man-made thing, how it changes. Translation changes into different languages is mostly grammatical, but you don't hit doctrines. You don't. You don't. It so. and, and, right. if, and if someone does... Then leave, it, yeah. leave, leave it alone. We yeah, talked they're about, not of us. We, we, we talked about that in the earlier when we, when we hit on the translations of the Bible. Uh, you, you know, we didn't we didn't beat people up for what version you carry, and we're not going to absolutely. Uh, if you uh, if you have a particular specific translation or version of the Bible that you are uh, attracted to, good for you. Absolutely, but that's just an example of the only thing that's probably changed yeah. or made different since the faiths began, since Christ died, would be just translations. But right along with this concept is you need to be aware and your yes. faith needs to be strong. Absolutely. And you need to be grounded in doctrine because there are those that discredit and change the message, which is something we discourage strongly. Yeah. Let me propose this to the listeners. So... When you when you study scripture, and a lot of times, if you listen to like professors of hermeneutics or guys that are 
uh, seems like they're really educated in text. Uh, you know, I mean, they know the words, they know the verbs, they know the adjectives, they know the tense, hypotheticals, hyperboles, similes, right? They know. And when you listen to all these guys, you'll notice a lot of times when you listen to them or you look in your Bibles, you look in the first parts of it, if you read a commentary, there's always a section that gives a reference. And my question was, when I began studying and the Holy Spirit was like drawing me in to get a little bit deeper, especially in, in history, you would see a lot of the same references that all these men would use. And what that does is it leads you to the point where eventually it reads you back to the original manuscripts. And once it points you to the manuscripts, then you start looking at how they were translated and it'll keep you on the right path. Yeah towards doctrines, towards faith, right, towards all those other things. But like Brother Allen said, is that now you have to be careful because a lot of them are taken out Yeah, some of the most important parts of text. Absolutely. Um, let me read this verse 2, and I want to pass it to Josh. Um, verse 2 says this, But in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. I know me and Josh, we've had... A lot of great conversations about the first chapter of John and uh, different books of the Bible. Uh, Josh, when you read this, um, I mean, what really sticks out to you? What do you think? What's the emphasis here? That it's uh, that it's never. I mean, the so the he made the worlds. That world um, actually it literally means to be is ages. So it's the continuation for time that it's not that it's not it's never ending because it's as far all the ages that go there. And the other thing is is that he um, appointed it as heir. Um, that appointed was not one of the big misconceptions that it, from recent recently conversations was somebody says, well then when was he appointed? That appointing was from the beginning of the foundation of everything. Before there was an existence of time, that was when that appointing was, yeah. was that he was God in the... <laughs> I've got it right here. It's okay. Be. All right. Go ahead. It's sorry. Stay where sorry, you're sorry. At, let me just interject. Who's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, here were ages, right? Dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and all things that he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. Take Absolutely. off. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> no, that's good, it's good. But that's the that's the that's the um, so verse two. That's what I those are the things that stand out is that you know he was the heir, and then also like I says, and then it's for continuation of for ages mm -hmm. in the worlds. Yes, you know how much effort they're putting in to find out right now if there's life in another planet somewhere out there. Mm -hmm. God already knows. You know Absolutely. how he knows he made it. <laughs> Absolutely, and it may it may take mankind. Mankind may never find out the truth about the galaxies and the space and the hemisphere. God put them all in orbit. He named every one of them, and He created all of it. Yeah, which so that I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, you you read the Bible in the whole, and the the gospel especially does not need our help. It's going to do His work by itself, and that's one of the things that like. A friend of mine that I was actually witnessing with this past week, that's what I told him. I says, if you can just take everything that you've ever heard, everything that you have been taught, and sit down with a blank slate in the Word of God and just see what it says with no no predetermined ideas or yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Because that's the thing about it. So as time changes, people are seeking stuff that they don't have to. They're trying to make the Word of God applicable to modern times and modern society, and it doesn't have to be. The gospel message will do its work on its own. And that's what I told him. I says, forget everything. Forget all the traditions and the religion and the stuff that is tied with it. Read the gospel, read it for what it is, and walk away with a now an understanding of what this was meant yeah. for. Well, it's like the same, um, the same book I was mentioning by Moody. He actually talks about that when he was um, 
young in the ministry, he had a friend, right? And he's been witnessing this guy. So the guy he's been witnessing to doesn't believe in God, he doesn't believe the Bible. And so his friend didn't have anything else to say, so he just sat down and started reading the book of Matthew. Didn't say anything else. All he did, he just started reading a gospel. And by the time he got done reading it, the guy looked at him and said, I'm lost, I need to be saved. The word is enough. <laughs> yes, the it word is. Is yes, it is. Um, now, when I, when I look at this, um, this verse 2, uh, in the last days, you know, he's spoken to us by his son. Very clear. Um, what I love is in two, listen, in two verses of Hebrews, especially the first two verses, we have now had the topic of prophecy. In verse 2, now we have seen the topic of Jesus and his deity. So this is a benefit of doing a book study is we're about to cover so many topics and just minimal verses. But when you look at this, and it says, through whom also he created the world. And actually, my um, my Bible ran me over as well. One of my reference texts was Colossians 1. Um, but I, I want to go ahead. When you look at verse 3, and it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. And, the, and this is the ESV version. It says, The exact imprint of his nature. Runs you right over there to the verses. He, the image of the invisible God. I think this is powerful because a lot of people, when it comes to... Jesus and God, it's either they don't know or they don't believe it. And I'm talking about the Trinity. I think a lot of people don't, may not understand it completely or maybe haven't been able to take the time. Or, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, it's too hard. To, it's really not too hard to understand. You just have to put time in to trying to understand it. And prayer, that's the biggest thing is if you don't pray while you're trying to study the Spirit, I mean, literally, right? The Spirit's our teacher. So I pray that the Spirit will teach me. God will use His Spirit to guide me. And when I look at this, like, you see that phrase, um, which radiance of the glory of God, man, I love that phrase too. But the imprint of His nature. We have to understand that Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father, they are not two completely separate, no tied together, three separate gods, three separate beings. That's not how it works. Um, Christianity is actually a monotheistic view. We believe in one God. We just believe that he portrays himself in three forms. He powers, um, you know, like you have the Son, the Spirit, the Father. They all pull their power from God, the one God. So when you look at this, I think it really helps paint the picture, and it's powerful because it talks about how Jesus was the imprint of his nature. And then once you read in Colossians, it says that he's the image of the invisible God. I was reading today in John, and it, no one's seen God, right? He's a, The Bible teaches us he's a spirit. Right. So when it talks about Can't that... face and leave. Yes. So when you look at the Bible, and it says that he was the imprint of his nature, or he's the image of the invisible God... It really adds to Jesus' deity that he was no ordinary man. He was actually the image of the invisible God. Or even like today when I was reading um, in John and he's talking to the Pharisees. And he keeps saying, the Father sent me, the Father gave me this, the Father, the Father. And they're getting mad at him because he keeps saying, well, he even says it's his Father. And Jesus is talking to him. And he's specifically saying, you know, I don't speak of myself. Right. If a man speaks of himself, he's trying to glorify himself. I speak of the one who sent me. What does he talk about after? The Father. And so Jesus really is not just an ordinary man. Um, you know, He's like, if you won't believe in me, well, you're not going to believe in who sent me either. And so when you look at the, that he is the imprint or the image of the invisible God, it helps add and shows us as people that Jesus was not an ordinary man. Yeah, and I just I flipped to this while you were talking and not even knowing how you were going to finish Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Yes. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. <laughs> that nails it. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, geez. Then you get after, uh, it talks about he's the imprint of God's nature. The next part, the ESV says he upholds the universe. By the power of his word. That's some powerful stuff. I believe Colossians paints the pictures that he holds the world in his hands. It's in his grip. It's in his responsibility. And so when you look at it in another term, the radiance of the glory of God. What's the King James say right there at the beginning of verse 3? It says, he, mine says, he is the radiance. What's your say, Josh? The brightness of the glory. Yep. Two words right there that have the same meaning. And I think... When they, I mean, when God inspired these men to write the scriptures, correct? Think about the word radiant. 
the radiance, the brightness, the brightness, the radiance of the glory of God. Um, Jesus is referred to multiple times in the scriptures as the light. He said, I am light. John chapter 1, he's the light. The world cannot overcome it. Um, he, he, the light he puts off, men are attracted to it. They want that. Women are attracted to it. They want that. And so I just think this is powerful because you look at the Old Testament. Now we've transitioned into how Jesus spoke in the last days. But now we're at, okay, Jesus is literally, I mean, powerful. He's the image of God. And then you get down to that last part. And it says that after making the purification for sins, well, he just sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The ascension we read of in Acts chapter 1, when he ascended up to the right hand of the Father. Now, Josh, I, or Josh, I know Alan and Pastor are preparing something right now. They're in the midst. We got, we got a sidebar conversation going. <laughs> uh, but, Josh, when you look at this, after everything we've talked about for Jesus being the high priest and the sacrifice, when it says that after the purifications... Right, he's he's died for our sins. He sat down at the right hand. Why is that important? And Josh, why is that powerful? Um, he went. He he's sitting on the right hand of God. He's back back on his throne. He uh, resurrected, which is all the other religions and all the other people that have put him. They had died and never resurrected. Never came back. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is critical, and that's one of the things that, you know, is, is a, a critical thing of our faith is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, because without that, if you take one of those out of it, that it falls apart. And, the, and so it is important that, you know, that he did, and he is sitting on his throne still to this day. Yeah, I mean, when he... I mean, the thing about when he would tell the disciples how many times that he would die and he would go away, and they didn't understand it. But what I love is when you look at that, he's at the right hand of God. When we, which next week will is probably when we we'll jump in this section about angels. But one of the verses that's quoted, um, and it's actually quoted in many other places, is uh, "Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool." Um, or, you know, the world, his footstool. And when I think about that, I, I think about that Jesus, right? So he conquers death. He appears to over about 500 people, including the disciples and many other believers. He makes it well known, right? I'm back. It's me. And then he takes the disciples. He ascends up. They watch him. The two angels appear. And like, what are y'all doing here? You know, he go, go out and do what you're supposed to do. So if that wasn't enough, right? Pentecost. The Holy Spirit now comes, but what name does he come in? It comes in the name of Jesus, just like he said it would in John chapter 14. And so, but when I think about Jesus, right, I think about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God on this huge throne that he deserves. I mean, he just looks all powerful and radiant and bright. But when it says that, you know, his enemies, uh, your footstool of your feet, or the world is the fo- at your footstool, I think that just shows us how powerful Christ is. He's back where he was from, right? He He's back on the throne. But now, right, he's going to stay there until it's time to come get the church. But eventually, when he comes off his throne and he comes back down to this earth, it won't be as a humble servant. And we've no. talked about this. We have. Yes, we have. He, he won't be a humble servant. He'll be stepping off his kingly throne as a king. He's going to come with his armies. He's going to come with his people. And he's going to destroy this place. He's going to cast judgment on the ones that deserve it. Satan's going to be thrown down. The Antichrist will be destroyed. Everything will be defeated. And then he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And what I love is I still imagine. And he's going to go back. And what's he going to do? I believe he's going to sit right back down on that throne as the king, the true king. And so I think that's very powerful. Perfect segue into the sidebar conversation that me and Pastor Jason were having. Uh, Verse 3 talks about the brightness of his glory. Uh, and the Bible refers to Shekinah glory. Yeah, it's it's a glory that when Moses was so wanted to see God so bad, God said, "You can't look on me and live." So he put him in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand. And as he walked by, he let Moses look at his hinder parts. Remember the napkin when he came off the mountain? He had to cover his face up. Shown as an ant. He was lit up, scared the people to death because Moses physically was illuminated. 
he had to cover his face because there was a brightness about him just being in the presence of that Shekinah glory. Absolutely. And I even think about, you know, I think it was in our theology class, we talked about that term hinder parts. Um, and when you look at the definition of hinder parts, it's really not referring to like a physical body right. part. It's talking about that when God's glory, when God's holiness left the mountain, Moses saw the backside of it leaving. Not literally God's backside, but he saw. So, And that's what I was thinking. Like the presence as God has left, he comes off the mount. He's not even in the presence of God anymore, and he's still he, he's so bright he has to cover his face. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the uh, rear ward, rear guard is some of your Old Testament terms on that, and it's sort of like when the Israelites were running from uh, Pharaoh on them, when God would protect them. You know that that talks about how that there there would be a shield. He would shield them between the Egyptians and themselves. But uh, but the glory, as far as being on the uh, the mountain and coming off, um, uh, imagine this is that um, here we are today, and it talks about from glory to glory, right? We, yeah. we go through the text, and it, even though that we're not going to have those Moses moments, you're not going to find a burning bush. That's not going to happen again. Now we have something far greater that was promised. Genesis 49 said it, until Shiloh come. There was a promise. Genesis 3 and 15, there's going to be a hill and a bruise and a head, right? So what we're talking about here is that you can know Jesus Christ everything, Everything that was prophesied about him, everything about his power, authority, creating. I mean, even in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the midst, there was always an appearance. He's always spoke to man. And now, men and women can know him personally. Yep. Well, and I was even thinking about when Jesus, right, uh, when he goes up on the mount, right? He, he's, he's up on the mount. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, I believe it's Elijah and Moses appearing to him, and he's transfigured, Yeah. right? Um, you know, it says Peter and them were behind, and, the, you know, they looked up and they saw, specifically, they saw who it was. But what, what I want to talk, kind of mention about is when you think about the transfiguration that take place, um, you know, Jesus stepped out of human form, correct? And I'm not saying, like, you know, he, you know, his body fell on the ground and there's obviously the spirit. We weren't there. But the Bible tells us that he was transfigured. And when he stepped into the presence of Elijah and Moses, it was in holiness. It was in perfection. It wasn't, he didn't have that skin on him, right? He didn't have that human, he was transfigured. And it talks about that, you know, when Peter looked up and he saw them, first off, I want to say this, how, <laughs> just think about being Peter, right? And you look up and there's Moses and there's Elijah, the the people you heard about when you were a kid. Because Peter wasn't alive when they were around. But he looks up. There's Moses. There's Elijah. And then all of a sudden, Christ is transformed. Now, obviously, he didn't see him long because what happened? The cloud came over, and he wasn't allowed to see. And then the next thing you knew, Jesus came down. He's like, should we build an altar for you, Moses and Elijah? And Jesus like, come on, we got somewhere to go. He And we weren't there for that conversation. But Christ left there, and he's like, we got somewhere to go. So he knew he had to go to the next place. He had to go do the next task. Go ahead. So now we're talking about transformation. We're talking about glorified body, right? Uh, when he appeared, and he, he shows up through the wall, basically. Listen to this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Uh-oh. I want you to grab all this. <laughs> now, you're talking about a promise. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Yes. So don't just think this was just for, for Christ himself. His plan is inclusive for all those that believe in him. Same spirit that raised him from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, mm -hmm. there's going to be a resurrection yes. of the body for us believers. Like an, and when he appeared, we shall be likened to who? Yep. Mm. That's right. And I mean, a lot of people talk about the new body and what it'll be like, how old will... It don't matter to we me. We can't wrap our minds We can't wrap. We can't, no. we can't understand that. But what I know, right, is when I read about Genesis before chapter 3, I see something that sounds beautiful, right? I see Adam and Eve. I see them in the garden. Uh, I see that, you know, they're taking care. There's animals. There's food. There's fruit. There's all of these things. And then the next thing you know, it they were in the presence of God in the garden. No yeah. sin. No. Yeah. And I can't even imagine that because I'm so flawed by sin because of it entered into the world. 
Yeah. But yeah. I, I just imagine that to me, when we enter in to the presence of the Lord and in a new body and whatever he designs that to be, whether it's a glorified version of the body I have now, I have no, I have no clue. We can't understand it. But I just imagine that when we are in his presence, imagine what it would be like without sin. I mean, literally, we've had some, when we, we have great worship services here. We have a great worship leader. And, and there's just times where I just feel like the spirit is just strong. It's moving on people. It, it's reproving people. It, it's drawing people. I mean, it's teaching people. But, I mean, I've been in services before. When, when you worship, I mean, it's just like the power of God is in our presence and I know it's in our presence, but just imagine what it would be like when none of us have sin. Imagine when we're not just worshiping a Christ we can't see, but literally we look up and he's right there. That'll be powerful and that'll be beautiful. Go ahead, Alan. It's hard to understand because of the fact that we are in this robe of flesh and the sin has impacted the world as we know it so severely. Uh, talking, uh, Actually talking to a, a church member that I work with, Larry Lee, Shout out to Larry. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah, this week he just started. <laughs> listen to the podcast, and he started with episode one. So I think he's on like episode five. So he'll hear this about four weeks. <laughs> and he'll, be like, he'll call you and be like, hey. <laughs> so we were talking about, you know, man, there, there's days when your attitude gets bad. There's days when you, uh, you know, are, are not as excited about being at work as other days. And, and, uh, he he made a statement like, uh, man, alive, it's, there's times where I, I really don't like being here. And I said, well, I understand. And couldn't you imagine what it was like when uh, before sin entered the world where you could be in a garden and everything's provided for you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and have that eternal rest and, and just be in the presence of God and him come down and, and commune with you. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's the promise in God's word that if your faith's anchored in him, that all through eternity, uh, you know, we, we're here for a little while. This is the shortest part of our being. Yeah, part is, one. Is, is while we're here on this earth. Uh, and, and that's why it's so important that we don't get hung up uh, on the things of this world and try to, to uh, you know, focus all of our effort on acquiring stuff and, and, and get hung up on, you know, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, you know, provide for your family. Yes, you got to work to eat. And I understand the Bible is very clear about that. If you don't work, yeah. you shouldn't eat. Yeah. But... Don't get hung up on the things that this world provides because it's just a short portion of your existence. Absolutely. Today, as as I was doing the graveside service, there's reality. Um, Through the night, I was thinking the the ground uh, was never designed to hold the body. It was uh, because of sin. The bodies dead bodies go in the ground the bible says the earth groans and travails way in adoption to the sons of god so even for our change that we await to be like christ the earth itself is in that travailing yep. because of and that's the great thing about the message of christ is that we realize it's not getting better yeah. you know and and if we live a hundred more years from now or time goes on a hundred more years we realize that things just keep spiraling downward so Talking about Christ and everything that we're sharing with you, it, you don't have to believe what we say. Look it up. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, just just take the time if you just get the scripture out and that alone, nothing else, without doing the research. And I guarantee you, if you keep reading, there'll be questions come up in your heart. There'll be things that start enter. It's writ. It's written inside of you. Romans teaches us. So that's what we would ask for our listeners: is just yeah. take the time and just. Uh, it's said by. I mean, we talked about this last night. By natural design, yes. the Gentiles did what the Jews did. Not because anyone told them to, or God put the law over them. It was just naturally. They lived according to the law, and they practiced what the Jews did. But the, yeah. And so I just think when you think about the concept is that there are corrupt people in this world, but I think there is a common theme of what Josh talked about a few weeks ago. Eternity is inside of all of our hearts. We all want to worship something. We all think of death. We all think about what's after. And I think God designed it that we all would have that in common for a specific yeah. reason. Says, the scripture hath concluded all under sin. There's none good as far right. as in the whole. None of yeah. us in this room right. deserve, uh, but it's because of what Christ does. And I mean, when you think about uh, when Paul's on Mars Hill, um, 
and he's talking to the philosophers of the current the time. and Stoics. And yeah, I mean, he's so he's literally talking to these guys, and I want to flip there because I want to read this because, I, I mean, I, I think it's better just to be read. Um, let's see, Paul. Okay, so he's on Mars Hill, and this is where he says, uh, found an inscription to the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, uh, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods, the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Exactly. And that's what we're talking about. Exactly right? what we're talking about. Uh, I mean, literally, Paul hits it on the head. He says... So God created them. He's allowed them to have life. He's limited all of us to the periods we're supposed to belong to of time. He's even laid us the boundaries of our dwelling place. I'll live uh, in Tennessee for God's purpose, God's reason. But then when you look at this, that they should seek God. So all of us have been allowed to live for a certain amount of time. All of us live in a specific place by Creator God who made earth and mankind that we should seek God. But what I love this, in the hope that they might feel their way and find him. And I always think about in a dark room, right? Your dark room, you can't see, you're just kind of feeling around. And that's what I feel like humans are, right? We're just kind of feeling around this way through earth and we're trying to figure out where to go. But it wasn't that we just walk around in darkness. It was in hopes that we would find Christ or Christ would find us and he would draw us to salvation. And I think Paul hits it on the head of everything that was just mentioned. Um, so with that being said, um, I think verse 4 is going to be perfect to, to kind of wrap up on and stop. Um, and it says, Having become as much more superior to the angels... As the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Um, and I think this is... I'm glad Pastor Jason's here because I, I might butcher this. I actually brought a CD to Josh's house. Uh, Onley Jones, right? Yes. Onley Jones had a sermon that was called So Much Better. Mm-hmm. And it was right here in this text because I, I believe the King James Version says that he was so much better than the angels. Yeah. Is that what yeah, the, More excellent name more than ex- they. Yep. And yeah. so he had this sermon... That was called Christ was so much better. And one of his points was that he was better than the angels. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you talk about you talk about a good sermon. Me and Josh were sitting in his living room listening to it. I mean, it's just some good stuff. But we've talked about prophecy. We've talked about how the prophets have pointed to Christ. We've talked about how Christ himself spoke of everything, right? It says in the last days, in the last ages. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about his radiance. We've talked about he's the image of the invisible God. He holds the power of the the world is in the word of his power. He made purifications for sin. He's at the right hand of God. I mean, we've talked, listen, listeners, listen to how much we've talked about in just four verses of scripture. I would encourage you guys, tune in every week. How many of you guys have ever had questions about angels? Why did God made them? What are they for? What, What are they ranked? We'll talk about that next week because not only it says having become as superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is talking about Jesus is more excellent. He's so much better than the angels. And when you get into verse five, he I mean the writer is getting ready to make his case for why uh, Christ is better than angels. So one, we're going to get to learn about how Christ's deity is superior to angelic beings. But two. When you get down to verse 14, it talks about what they are. It talks to them as ministering spirits. So next week, we're really going to get to dive into this. So when we, Go ahead, Alan. When we talk about this scripture, man, a lot of you, we hope you're encouraged by it. Uh, and I know we, we talked about, you know, you know, it's life is taxing and it, it wears us and, and it, you know, it, it dra- drags us down. And sometimes, uh, you know, the battery gets low and our spiritual uh barometer starts to you know droop down we hope that through this you're encouraged because of that hope that just like uh hunter was talking about that when you find god and understand the source of that uh, that hope that he provides 
man, it should be encouraging and it should it should be uplifting. And we hope that something said or done through this podcast that encourages you, uh, number one, to to understand that God is that source, and will also prompt you to get in His Word and study, and, and maybe uh, write down some of those questions that hit your brain. Send those in to us at mediawatsonchapel.net. Thank you, Hunter. I was looking straight at him the last time and called him Josh. <laughs> Whether it's questions or ways we can pray for you, um, I mean, we're, we're all about it. But, I mean, we're looking forward to this study um, through Hebrews. Um, you know, and as we go through this, there might be weeks that uh, it might change. We, we might talk about something different. Maybe the Lord lays something specifically on our hearts. Or maybe we get started and we actually never start because something comes up. Um, but we are looking forward to going through this because there's a lot of meat. I mean, just straight meat. And we're going to be able to talk about some of the, the high priests, the sacrifice, the king. Um, Hebrews 6 is going to be a good chapter because a lot of people take Hebrews 6 and say that you can lose your salvation. Um, we want to make the stance that it actually says the opposite. Um, you, that you keep your salvation um, people who would commit some sort of falling away or some sort of apostasy were never believers in the first place. There's a lot of scripture that we can support that thought with. Absolutely. So we're actually looking forward to that. Um, we have a project that I'm not going to talk about right now. We have a project that the five of us, including Grant, because Grant's in here. Say, hey, Grant. Hey. Grant's in <laughs> here. We're going to pull a couple more people. We have a project that we're going to work on um, just so we can talk. I mean, we've been talking about how we're going to talk about how you – um, you have your salvation. You can't lose it. Um, how you know you're saved. And we're going to hit a big segment on that. But we got a few projects we're working on before we hit that. So we just want to encourage you guys, get into the Bible. Read Hebrews. Um, you know, if you're not in church, I'd encourage you. Um, call your local church that you go to. See what's going on. See what their plans are. If you're nervous about COVID, see how they're staying clean. Maybe your church is closed. If you're worshiping from home, as Pastor Jason talked about um, with multiple services but i remember the first noonday service he talked about how you know when you are in a place that you have to worship from home i mean it's about your heart i mean regardless right you know nobody needs to forsake the assembling of being together but when you're at home i mean read your bible worship be into it let your heart be filled dive into the word of god if god convicts you through the sermon you're watching respond because that's what it's about. It's about the heart and how we're obedient to God. So, guys, do you have anything else that you'd like to say? God bless. I, can I, yes, yeah, of I, you can. I have something that's on my heart. So say I'm, I'm going to share it. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 through 6. I'm going to read that really quick. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, oh, wow. in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. For we preach not of ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's that. That's that shining. That's that's that. That's when He illuminates upon us in our heart to let us know that darkness. It says that it's out of the darkness. That is where we understand that that situation of our sin, of our being lost apart from God. Darkness is the absence of light. Jesus Christ is that light, and that I mean, like I said, so when we were talking and discussing, I kept just this coming to verses coming to my mind, and uh, so I just wanted to share Absolutely. that. So. Yeah. Yeah, you can anytime, Josh. Darkness anytime. can never expose itself in darkness. No, nope. right. It takes a lot. It takes, it takes a, a lot. lot. And I love it how it says that it shines upon us. I mean, that's a. Mm. I mean, that's the whole concept of the sun, a flashlight. I mean, when you're in darkness and you can't see, something's got to shine. And I'm telling you, I mean, like I've talked about this before. The night I got saved at my house, I was not expecting it. We talked about this in the men's Bible study about Zacchaeus. I thought I was just watching a video. Little did I know there was a, a preordained meeting getting ready to take place where Jesus came my way, right? Yep. Yep. And I just remember that that night when I realized I was lost before I went and got my dad, and I was just like, hey, I'm lost because he was taking a shower. I mean, you know, that wasn't a planned moment. I was like, get out of there, dude. We got to talk. <laughs> but 
I just remember that's what I think of when you say that is in the a moment it's like yes. a light came on a flashlight exposed the darkness mm-hmm. that I was in and not only did it expose me right I felt like it was bringing me towards it next thing I knew after I made a profession of faith and I surrendered I looked at this world in a completely different way yep. and I still do till this day yep. and I mean that's just that's powerful right there and I mean you look at the other side of it have blinded the minds yep. blinded their eyes yes Maybe a segment sometimes need to be on, uh, what is it, 6 and 44, except the Father which sent me draw. Yeah. Right. That's what we're talking yes. about right here. Yes. Right? So That goes in a lot of directions. <laughs> so, but, guys, that's what we got for you this week. We're coming to the end of our time. Um, Grant has a whiteboard now, and so when it's close to time or we're over, Grant's writing on his whiteboard. So, um, yeah, he's writing on his whiteboard. Over. He wrote the word over. All right, guys. So, so long from me. Guys, God, God bless. Thanks, God Pastor bless. Jason, for joining us again. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.